Hello, my name is Anthony Hudson and welcome to my podcast, The Masterminds. Please join me as I bring interviews with some of the very best in the world of sports, from top football managers, club chairmen, sports psychologists, and the leading experts in the world of analytics, team culture, and leadership. Next up, please welcome one of, if not the greatest ever Australian coaches of all time. He's won many, many league championships at club level. He's won several tournaments at international level. And most inspiring of all, he's done it in a way that's given people some incredible moments and experiences by the way his team's played and the way he is as a leader. Please welcome Ange Postecoglou. Ange, good evening. It's a, it's a real privilege to be able to get this time with you. You've had such a successful time in Japan. Uh, I've been following it closely, the results, how the team's played. It's been absolutely incredible. And as we've initially connected, I've you know witnessed and really enjoyed your, your career so far and success in Australia with many, many different teams and the national team. So thank you for your time this evening. How, how have you found it in Japan? Yeah, look, I've enjoyed it here. It was, um, it was, a, it was a decision I made, kind of, you know, leaving the national team. I, I was, I was looking for, obviously, you're always looking for another challenge, but I was looking for something a little bit different to what I'd done before. And you know, I, I, initially my thoughts were, you know, to head over to Europe and, and, you know, sort of see what opportunities might arise there. But when this came up. Um, I just looked at it and I thought, you know what, this is going to be a real challenge for me because different country, different culture, um, you know, players have had a different sort of upbringing, um, the language barrier, all those kind of things I thought would, you know, are things that would really appeal to me as, as, as a challenge to my, to my coaching and also, you know, just to me as a person. And uh, it's been all that, um, you know, it's it's... It's been challenging. It's been, uh, I guess, invigorating and, and, and motivating for me as, as a coach and a person. And you know, obviously, we had success last year, which kind of helps you enjoy it more. But even aside from that, it's it's kind of been everything I, I really wished for when I when I took on the challenge. And over the years, you, you, your playing style, your teams have, have played a certain style of football, it's been really, really clear. You, you know, you have a very, very strong philosophy about the game and it's, and it's so clear to see. So what I'm curious about, you go to a different country, different different language, different culture. You know, do you do the same things? Do you change? Do you adapt? You know, how, do, how does that work for you? Yeah, no, look, I, I've, I've def- yeah, had a sort of real clear, um, in my mind anyway, a real clear, uh, idea of how I want my teams to play, and that's you know it's 22 years of coaching now, and, and pretty much from the first day, I haven't I haven't deviated from that at any point. Um, and you know yourself, there are different times in your coaching where that, where that gets challenged. It almost inevitably will get challenged almost on a you know sometimes on a daily basis, depending on, on where you are. But I've never veered away from the from from that core belief I have of how I want my team to play football. Um, so coming here, nothing really changed. If anything, again, that was the challenge. Will my methodology work here? Will the way I want to play the game um, resonate with 
the players here or the, the, the fans here or, you know, the, the people watching, all those kind of things. Because it's, it's one thing to have a – obviously, you know, you have your own beliefs um, and ultimately our, our measure is always that win and loss column and, and, you know, people wherever you go want success. But part of my core belief about football is that I want people to enjoy what I – what I put out there as well, and uh, and it's not just about me enjoying watching my team playing, but you know the, the question is, will will the supporters and the people watching and the players themselves will they enjoy um, the football they're going to play? And um, you know that's also that was also a consideration. And in, in that in that respect, it was a little bit of a, a leap into the unknown. And I, I had obviously I was familiar with with Japanese football and Japanese players. You know, having worked with the national team, uh, the Australian national team, and played against them in, in the Champions League and club football, so I kind of knew that, you know, the, the the players would be able to play the football I wanted. But I also knew and, and found out pretty quickly when I was here that, you know, it's a fairly conservative society, and that's reflected in their football as well. You know, whilst they're technically fantastic footballers here and, and physically, uh, you know, they they work hard, they're very disciplined. Uh, the football in general tends to be fairly conservative and that's reflective of society, I guess. And, you know, my, my football is, you know, the antithesis of that. So it took a while to get people to buy in, players to buy in, uh, the club to buy in, uh, even our supporters to a certain extent. Um, but, you know, now that it's up and running, it's, it, I'm getting just as much enjoyment out of not just the success we've had, but also, you know, the the way everyone's responded to to the football we're playing, then you know people enjoy watching them, which is which is really important to me as well. And you've got such strong beliefs about the game. You've got such a strong philosophy. It's something that I've really really admired uh, when I've you know seen you work and seen your teams play. Uh, and there's very few coaches that I've come across that have such strong beliefs as you do. And what I'm curious about is like, where did that originate from? Like, where, where did you your beliefs come from about the game? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's an interesting question. It's a question I'll probably get asked more than any other because, you know, as you say, I think anyone who sort of knows me or, or sort of, you know, has followed my journey as a coach knows that I'm a real sort of strong believer in, in the football we play. And it's, you know, often people want me to sort of, you know, come up with this really sort of magical answer that gives them, you know, clarity on, on where it came from. But it's very hard for me to sort of pinpoint. But the one sort of overriding factor in every, in everything I've done in football, I guess, in, in many respects in life, is that I fell in love with the game of football. I mean, I grew up in Australia where, you know, football was not the number one sport. There's, in fact, you know, when I was growing up in the, in the 70s in Australia, um, you know, it was, it was very much a, a part-time um, sort of sport and, 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 you know, in the priority of, of sporting rankings, it was probably fifth or sixth down the line. Um, so, you know, for a young kid, for me to fall in love with a game um, when, as a young person, all you want to do is fit in, it would have been easier for me to fall in love with the other codes in, in Australia. It was The basic reason was that, you know, we were immigrants from another country. We came from Greece, um, didn't know the language, didn't know a person in, in, in Australia. And, um, you know, my father, I guess in his own way, when he took us to this foreign land where everything was foreign to him, he, he tried to find a way to connect with me as his son. I was, you know, five, six years old. He was, I think he was really scared of 
losing me or, 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 you know, if I fell in love with a sport that he didn't understand or wasn't familiar with, he, he, you know, he was really big on the people I, I sort of associated with. It was just his way, I guess, of, of parenting. Um, he had to find a connection between us. And um, the reality of it is, like a lot of immigrant parents, my story is not unique anywhere around the world, is that, you know, I... My dad didn't spend a lot of time at home. He was working all the time. You know, I was I was conscious that you know, sort of roll up late at night, sit down at the dinner table, and there wasn't much conversation. And then he'd sort of fall asleep on the couch and then do the same thing the next day. But when he came to football, um, he became a different person. And as a as a young boy, that really sort of resonated with me. That okay, I figured it out as well that if I'm going to get close to my dad and I wanted to be close to my dad, I had to sort of fall in love with what made him um, sort of come out of his shell in a, in a foreign land. That was the football. So the nights he would wake me up in the middle of the night, I, I remember a tap on the shoulder and knowing it's the middle of the night and knowing there must be a game on from the other side of the world that you know, I would sit there on the couch with my father and, and watch the game. I, I fell in love with the game at those moments and inevitably he his influence was that he loved um, he loved the, the players who would excite. So, you know, he, he, he loved a player like your dad, uh, uh, Anthony, you know, and, and, and the entertainers of the time. And he would always point them out to me. He loved, you know, the French Pushkas and the Hungarian team of, of, of the 50s and 60s. He, he, he loved Leeds United with, you know, Eddie Gray dribbling and Peter Lorimer hitting bombs in and this is you know for people of today's generation I'm, I'm talking a, a long time ago you know and, and but they were the, the people that excited him and and he kept pointing them out to me and, and you know the 74 World Cup the Dutch team that played there he, you know we, we sat up in the middle of the night because in Australia it was on in the middle of the night I just think somehow subliminally all those kind of things just became part of me and and my philosophy on how I want my teams to play is just Really, it's just an extension of me, and I think it's why, you know, if I've had success, is that people prepared to sort of follow me on, on on the journey because I'm not trying to impose something on them that I've learnt or that I've seen somewhere else or that I've tried to copy. It's they just see it as it's an extension of me, and, and it's a lot easier to believe in something or someone when that message that's coming from them is a genuine one. It's one that, that comes from them. So, you know, that, that whole upbringing in mind was that when I got into coaching, and you know, and I kind of sit there as a coach and, you know, I want my team to have the ball. You know, I, I get no satisfaction from, you know, setting up a, a defensive structure that, that stops an opposition. That, that, that just doesn't excite me, you know. I get excited when my team has the ball. So if, if that's what excites me, then I kind of set up my teams to have the ball. I've set up my teams to get the ball back quickly. Um, I set up my teams to, to score goals, to excite, you know. And, you know, my father passed away two years ago and it's kind of the, the hardest thing I've ever had to deal with in my life because it made me realise how entwined he was in, in everything I've, I've, I've sort of done in football and in life in many respects. Um, and... I kind of crystallised it sort of after he passed away that what I'm really doing is I'm, I'm putting out teams and building teams and getting teams to play that my dad would enjoy watching. You know, I've always sort of think about if he's sitting in the stand and he's watching this game, is, is, he, is he liking what my team's doing? And um, when, you, when, it, when, it, when it's something that strong, 
it's impossible to shift me. You know, you, you, you can't shift me from, from what I believe. And I think, as I said, if I've had success with teams, it's because the players and, and the staff and the club and everyone has seen that and, and they see that, okay, this guy, this is part of who he is. So it's not, it's not an idea that's going to change. Andrew, I really appreciate you sharing that, especially about your old man. I can uh, I can really relate to what you're talking about there, and and and. But as you're talking, I'm I'm just curious. I'm curious about, you know, you you have such strong beliefs about the game as you've shared. Has there been any moments in your career, as many times when you've seriously questioned uh, what you're doing and why you're doing it, and the way you're doing it? Has there been those times at all? I haven't, but plenty of others have, Anthony. And that's what we have to deal with, as, as I guess, as, as managers and, and coaches and leaders, is that you know wherever I've gone, usually, I mean, it's not unusual. You, you, you for the most part, you know, I tell coaches all the time, you, you usually get appointed to a role because wherever you're going, um, whatever club it is or whatever organisation it is, it, it means they're probably not going too well, you know. The clubs that are going well and, and, and are already sort of on a certain path, they, they really appoint you, you know, appoint new managers. They, they keep going. So when you get appointed, um, you, there's an opportunity there to, to sort of um, put in place what you think will, will, will make the club that you've been appointed by successful. So but wherever I've been, the initial part is always kind of rocky because my kind of ideas have added, uh, I guess, they're not extreme to me, but I can see how they can be seen as extreme from the outside that it takes a while. Um, you know, usually, you know, it's take, it can take me six months, take me a year to, to really embed, depending on, you know, how many opportunities I have to change the playing list and, and, and the staff and all those kind of things. So through that period where inevitably the results are not there, um, there's questions all the time and, 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 that's where more than ever your your, your belief and, and what you do gets tested. Now, I, bizarrely enough, enjoy those times. I enjoy those times when the, the outside is questioning what I'm doing because it just brings out this real resilience in me and my beliefs um, even more. I, I get more nervous when things are going well and I question myself when things are going well because... Um, I kind of think, all right, well, what's, what's the next layer? What's the next step? Well, what's the next evolution of what we're doing? I don't doubt myself when, 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 or question myself when, um, when we're putting things in place because I know the results aren't there. I know that, you know, people sometimes can't see what I'm trying to do. But through that time, um, that's when I'm the strongest about what I do. And, and again, it's 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 I'm strong because I've had success with it wherever I've been, and and I think when you have success with something and, and you kind of understand that, right? Let's we just got to batten sort of everything down and and, and just keep a real uh, focus on on what's ahead and, and not worry about what's incoming in terms of doubts or in terms of scrutiny. And and um, you know that's when, like I said, I. If anything, that's when I'm the most certain about what I do. Um, and, you know, as, as, as a coach, I think 
for, for particularly for coaches who you know, if you're going to have a long career, that there's no doubt there's going to be uh, moments where you're going to get questioned and you're going to you get scrutinised, and, and usually that happens fairly regularly, irrespective of what success you may have. So if you look at a, a current day manager, it could be Jose Mourinho, or, you know, even Pep Guardiola at the start of this year, or. It doesn't matter how much success you've had, as soon as that success sort of wanes a little bit, then you're going to get questioned, you're going to get uh, scrutinised. And you need to embrace that. that. That's that's the bit that really, like, confirms your beliefs. Um, I always say that to coaches, if you want to know what your philosophy is, I can, I can do, do it for you in one exercise. If there was a game this weekend that was going to decide whether you have a coaching career or not, how would you play? That's your coaching philosophy. And if your natural inclination is that, you know what, I, if it's that big a game, if it's that important, I'm going to set my team up that we're hard to beat, that we don't lose, we don't take risks, then that's 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 your journey. Embrace it, take it, and make it what you want. Um, I know if, if there was a game this weekend that, you know, was going to decide whether I had a career in football or not, I'd go for it all out and, and try and win that game by as many goals as possible. And, and once you embrace that, as, as a coach, you don't fear the challenging times. Um, like I said, the, the hardest part sometimes is when you've had success is, well, what's the what's the next layer? And they're the most challenging for me. And when I see your teams play, they have so much bravery, especially in possession. Your, your teams are so brave, so positive. They play with so much belief. So when you go into a new team, how do you instill that? bravery and and belief and certainty in, 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 in how you want your teams to play. And and also, over the course of your career, the way that you've instilled it over time, has that changed? So when you go uh, into your team now, has the way you introduce that into the team, has that changed at all? <laughs> Not really. Not, not, I mean... Obviously, you know, when I first started, you know, obviously it was almost you know, 22, 23 years ago, you know, I was still, I was, I was, I was a different person in many respects. I was a younger man, you know, so life changes you inevitably because you, you go through different experiences and that shapes you as a person. So I guess from that perspective, I, I probably do things a little bit differently. But the, the core of it is, I, I still believe is that I live and breathe what, I believe, you know, so it's not about me coming in and, and making decisions that, you know, are trying to make a point or, or trying to steer people in a certain direction. It's about you know, everything I do, everything I say, um, you know, the, the, the decisions I make will reflect the way we want to play our football. So, as you said, you know, you've got to be fairly brave and, and courageous to, to play the football I want. So one of the most important things that, you know, I, I try and... and um, you know, impact on players in particular and staff for people working with me is that I will back them 100% that, that the responsibility lies with me. You know, I've always said to them that the losses and mistakes are my responsibility because I'm the one that's getting you out there to, to play in this manner. And, you know, they probably don't believe a lot of that because they've probably heard it a lot of times in the in the past. But you know, there's been many a times, particularly early in my tenure at, at, in my jobs, where you know we want to play out from the back, and inevitably we'll, we'll we'll cough up goals trying to play out from the back, whether that's from the goalkeeper or a player. And you know, that's when you know the people around you are looking at your reaction. You know, how do you react to that? And, and 
I think once I gain the players' trust in that, you know what, I'll uh, I'll, I'll back you in, in 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 every scenario out there that, that that you have no fear. So that so your bravery, um, you know, comes with a little bit of a. Uh, you know, you're taking a leap, but you, you do have a parachute that I'll protect you in terms of, um, you know, if, if things don't go well. Um, and then, like I said, it's just it's just living and breathing um, everything I do. Um, you know, the kind of people I surround myself with, whether that's staff, um, you know, even players. You know, when 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 bringing players in, it's not it's not just about bringing in players who are talented because the world is full of talented players. I, uh, you know, it's not just the way we play and the way I want my team to play. Um, you know, the player needs to have a certain amount of a certain skill set, but just as important, he's got to have certain characteristics as a person. You know, he's you know, some players don't want that responsibility or don't have that bravery to to play the way I want. So, you know, the recruiting part of it becomes important. Um, as I said, the people I surround myself with become important, and you know, every beginning, you know. I try and tell tell them a story, you know, a story that, you know, everything remarkable that's ever been achieved in this world has, has begun with people either not believing it can be done or, or with people doubting it can be done. And, uh, um, you know, when I, when I begin the story, I tell them that, uh, you know, what we're going to embark on now is something that is going to be looked upon as with sceptical eyes and, and there'll be a lot of pessimism and a lot of misunderstanding about what we're trying to do. Um, but that's how you achieve remarkable things in life. If, uh, you know, we know what is known out in the world, uh, that's already been achieved. It's about, you know, what can we do that's unknown? And, and to do that, you do. You have to be brave. You have to take risks. You have to believe in something that sometimes, sometimes um, is not tangible. Um, and, I guess by, by telling that story and, you know, telling it in chapters where, you know, I'm always predicting the next step for them, um, players and, and staff and, and clubs buy into it more and more. And has it always been that way, Angela? Like, you know, from when you first started to now, have you always been so strong with your sto- with that story, with your messaging to the team? Has it always been that way? Yeah, um, because I get... In many respects, I'm, I'm, I'm telling my story. I'm telling kind of, you know, my father's story, and 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 that. So when when it comes from something as 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 deep as that, it's you know the players kind of understand. I'm not just spinning something to 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 give them a message. It's 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 a journey I've I've lived. So as I said, I, I grew up in a country where football was a a semi-pro profession with you know not a lot of um, opportunities and, you know, 22 years later, you know, I've coached at a World Cup, I've, you know, I've won an Asian Cup, I've, I've won titles, I've travelled the world, I've, I've done things that, that are remarkable um, because I believed in something that was unknown, you know, that, that you know, as an Australian probably a lot easier if you were a European or South American to say, well, I want to go on a football journey and, and this is what it's going to look like because you'd seen others do it. But, you know, as an Australian, I had to leap in a, into a little bit of an unknown for myself. So, you know, and I feel, you know, overwhelmingly blessed that the, the life I've I've had and the experiences that I've had. And because of that, I can I can tell that story and I've told that story, you know, from, from the first day I started coaching was that I, I just 
I want to do things that 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 are different. I want to do things that stand out. I want I want people to talk about my teams beyond just the success they have, and and I want players to feel like they're part of something special that they haven't experienced before. Those those kind of things really drive me and, and, and excite me and you know I, I when as you said you, you kind of live life and you have experiences and you know I look around the world and whenever I see somebody doing something that's a little bit different in any walk of life sport the arts um, you know whatever it may be science uh, it, it it really intrigues and excites me because I think you know that the bravery and courage they must have taken to, to take that leap and and the way they must have made people believe in them is uh, is something that really resonates with me. And how have you evolved, Ange? Is there any, is there anything over the course of your career when you look back, uh, any significant areas where you feel you've really developed or grown? Is there anything that stands out to you? I think I think the biggest one is, and, and again, without uh, something probably that's happened, you know, not consciously on my part, is that you just think about so you know my first year of coaching was 90 my first sort of senior job was 96 and and i just think about how much the world has changed in that in that time and you know the difference between a, a 20 year old in the 90s and a 20 year old now and the way that we communicate um, as a society i think um, that's the biggest challenge for all of us as as coaches is i think we have you know, we have the knowledge and we're, we're constantly upskilling ourselves in terms of knowledge and, and understanding what the latest trends in what we do are, whether that's football, whatever it is, the, the, the technical aspects of it. Um, but how do we communicate that to, to different generations if you stay in the game long enough? And I think that's where I've been. You know, I've managed to, to continually keep myself relevant to, to the next generation that, that that's, that's coming through because... Again, you know, when you're talking about telling stories or leaping into the unknown or, you know, all those kind of things, I, I need to be able to understand what a young man of today is, is thinking, what what inspiring him, what's motivating him, what's important to him in his life right now, not necessarily what was important to, to me in my life and my upbringing. Now, some of those some of those um, messages are consistent, you know. Some of those, um, you know, do still resonate, but the way we communicate that and, uh, you know, I've, I've learned to, to sort of tell stories and, and, and paint pictures that are relevant to today's world rather than, um, you know, something that may have been relevant 10 years ago or 20 years ago, um, keeping my messaging maybe even simpler than what it used to be, understanding that, the why now is the most important thing when you're when you're asking your player to do something. You know, it's not. And I know we always, but it just the way it was that you know in our generation, if a coach told you to do something, for the most part, you did it. Um, you didn't really question it. You, you, you're more likely to get questioned um, nowadays about you know if you're asking, particularly if you're asking players to do something that's a little bit different. You know, so you, you've got to know why you want you want them to do this and be able to explain it to them and um i think that's been the biggest thing for me and i, and I think that's when i i'll know that kind of i'm coming to the end of my journey if i, if I lose that connection of being able to get people, players and, and staff and people around me to clearly understand you know what i need them to do and what, why i want them to do it that's when i know that i kind of maybe i'm, I'm losing touch a little bit and i think it's it's really important um 
and to give you even a, a sort of more, a bigger and a more relevant experience, being here in Japan has been, yeah, I, I don't speak Japanese, so I've obviously got to work through an interpreter who, who, who speaks Japanese to the Japanese players. The Japanese players in general, their English is not great. So, you know, when I give a team talk now, you know, we have a, a team address. I've, I've got to say my bit, then the, the, the Japanese interpreter will, will say it in Japanese. Then I've got four Brazilian players, so I have a, a Portuguese interpreter who who has to wait for the Japanese interpreter to finish to begin his message to the Brazilian players, and I've got a Thai player with a Thai. So I've got four people talking at, at once uh, at different times while I'm giving this address. Now, I've had to really sharpen my message because if I went off on a you know 50-minute sort of Chilean motivating speech would be there for three hours just to, to get the message across. So I've had to refine my communication skills and, 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 and make them really precise so that, again, the, the players get the message I want. And do you think that's the most important thing, Ange, in, in relation to, to connecting with the players, leading the players, in, in, in instilling and inspiring uh, a way of doing things is, is through that, is through the why? is to constantly reminding the players of the why. Yeah, I think so. I, 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 well, it's, it, it's a key for me, right? So, again, it, it comes down to your personality um, uh, as a coach. Is that, you know, there are different ways of, of doing that and, that, and that's got to be consistent with who you are as a person. The one thing, you know, people, whether that's players or, or whoever, you know, people in general, they'll see right through you if you're not genuine. So you, you've got to do it. Now, my way of communicating is that, is that, you know, collectively I, I like to tell stories. I like to explain why we're doing something, um, you know, I, I, I love the detail behind it, but at the same time I, I need to be able to explain it in a way that everyone understands. So that's the way I communicate. Now, other coaches are different. You know, other coaches you know, get close to their players and, you know, get really involved with their players and they're able to communicate that message maybe on a one-on-one basis, individual basis. You know, other other coaches, um, you know, find different uh, kind of mediums, whether that's visual or other other ways to, to get their message across. But for me, that's that's been uh, the most effective way to, to get players and, and staff and people to buy in is to, you know, to, to tell that story, to, to explain why, um we're doing something rather than just, you know, tell them that this is the way we're going to do it. And what about your assistant coaches, Ange? So what's important to you when you're putting a staff together? Look, I, the main thing I look for is, uh, I guess, just that, you know, the, 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 the passion and, and drive that I have for the game, but also people that, that are sort of a little bit curious in their nature it's because obviously... Um, you know, I'll be bringing them into an environment. And I've, I've tended to work with people that I haven't worked with before. Um, I find that's been good for me as a, as, as a coach and as a person because I think when you bring in somebody who already knows you, who already kind of knows how you work, you know, I don't, I don't get challenged as much. Whereas if I bring somebody new, you know, and I've done that fairly regularly in my career, who maybe I don't know at a personal level, but I've seen work and I think, okay, um, you know, I've asked about, the, you know, they, they show those sort of things, characteristics that I like is that when I bring them in, then you know, part of my job is is to get them to buy into to, 
to to what I believe because they've got to work with me and they've got to actually make it happen. Um, and it's a lot easier or it works better if they believe in it rather than me just telling them, well, this is what I want. Again, it comes back to, you know, um, showing them why. So now that that's what I look for in, in sort of coaches and, and staff that I bring in is to for them to have that, you know, that passion, that drive to have a career in the game, but also that that curiosity and, and you know, that open-mindedness to, 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 to go and, and to leap into the unknown and to, to have that sort of room in there uh, make up for, for some new information and new way of doing things. And it's worked well for me. I think it's, it's, um, it's something I'll probably do, you know, for the rest of my career is that, you know, I'll, I'll continually work with different people and new people, um, A, because it's challenging to me, but also because it kind of drives everything uh, in, in, in the programs that I work for. And sh- so just on, on that, I've obviously I've followed your career for years and got to know you and you know having watched your teams play and and seen you in the media uh, and especially now with your with your new team I, you know I've I've watched quite a few videos I've seen some of the games but I've also watched some of the videos of of your sort of team talks and just the culture there and it and it appears that you've got a very very close relationship with your players and your staff but is, is that important to you, that closeness with the players? Is that important to you in, in what you're doing? Yeah, no, I think yeah, it's probably, uh, again, that's a little bit of a funny one. I mean, if you think, you know, if you, if you talk to all the players on a coach, they'd probably be consistent in saying that they would never have had a conversation longer than a minute with me, you know, in, in the whole time. I mean, I think I'm, 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 it's not again. It's it's just me as a person. I'm I'm not a great uh, um, social sort of beast in, in in life in general in terms of particularly my professional environment. So you know I I, I do keep a distance from the players, and, and it, it, it it's it takes a while for the players to get used to that because you know for the most part, and I understand it that you know they they're human beings. You know they want connection. They want. You know, feedback. They want um, to know that you know you're kind of engaged with them, and, and my way of sort of keeping my distance um, can be a little bit disconcerting. But over the course of time, I think what happens is the players then and staff kind of understand that that's just me, who I am as a person, and and the one thing they know is that I treat everyone the same, and that I do care about them, and and I care about them my own way, and and when critical times come, I I, you know, I've got their back and I take responsibility. And and after a while, I think they appreciate that. They they kind of understand that. Okay, I uh, there's no favoritism here. He, he treats everyone the same, whether that's you know, the, the the president or the chairman of the club or, or or the boot starter or you know you're the first player on the list or the last player on the list. And um, I've always worked that way. I, I've never. I was kind of forced to do it almost in my first coaching job. Uh, I was, you know, I, I kind of retired young and a bit like yourself. I got into the coaching early and, and you know, my first senior job, I was 30 years old. I, I coached the club that I played for. And a lot of the guys I was coaching were my teammates. A couple, one of them was, was my best mate. Um, and I, I, I couldn't, I had to sort of um, separate myself from it almost one day to the next and it was it was tough it was tough particularly for for you know the, the guys I'd, I'd, I'd played with and the guys who considered mates with me but 
you know, I've as a, as a manager, I've, I've got to make decisions every day. It's the one thing, as I keep saying to, again to coaches, is the one thing you every day of your existence in this job is make decisions. Rarely will people come in and say, "How was your night? How was your day?" For the most part, from the morning they come in to see you, they'll they'll want some they want a decision from you, whether it's about training, whether it's about a player, whether it's about a schedule, and you've got constantly be making decisions, and you need knowledge to make good decisions, to make more good decisions than bad decisions. And the other one is you need clarity of thought. And by me keeping a distance from staff and players, whenever I make a decision, whether that's about team selection or that's about, you know, staff or that's about the way we're going to play, um, it's it's almost unemotional in the way I make it. I make the decision in, in the way where I believe it's the best for, for the team and what we're trying to achieve. And um, I've I've kind of found that that works best for me as 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 a manager that you know I treat everyone the same, um, but I do I, I I do feel that I wouldn't have had success unless the players did feel close to me. Um, it's just a different kind of closeness than maybe people see from the outside. As I said, if you I, get, I guarantee you, if you interview any player that I've coached in the last twenty years, they'll give you the same answer. If they, if they if you say to them, well, what's the longest conversation you've ever had with with the boss? And they'll say, no more than a minute. Uh, 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 and if anything, they in the end they were quite, you know, if I ever did catch up with them after they stopped playing for me and I, I did have a bit of a chat, they, they found it a little bit uh, disconcerting that I actually was talking to them uh, now that I wasn't their coach. And I'm, I'm curious, has there ever been a, a period that you've gone through, let's say a tough period or whatever type of situation where uh, you, you're working with in a certain context and you felt it was necessary to get closer to the players, to, to have a close relationship with the players, either individually, small groups, whatever, but just has there ever been a situation in your career where you felt it was necessary to do that? No, because, again, that's that's the time where, you know, like I said, I, I think that's when you, you, you kind of figure out your true self. And I think that's when people are watching more than ever. Um, it's in the tough times. It's when things aren't going well that, that, that people will watch you more than they've ever watched you before. And what you do in those situations counts a thousand times more than what you do when you're successful. Because in those moments when people, it's tough times, I think people will, will see whether you, you know, reveal your true self. And there's a consistency in me, whether it's tough times or good times, that I think being, in the end gives people comfort that, you know what, I'm prepared to follow this guy because even uh, during this time, he doesn't change. He doesn't waver in his beliefs. He doesn't waver in his approach. He doesn't, um, you know, I, I do what I do because, and, and the way I do it is because I believe it will be successful and I believe it'll, 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 it'll take people on a special journey. So I'm not going to change, you know, when, when things are, get tough, inevitably will get tough. And then and, and they do that. Like I said, that's, it's, it's never a smooth run. You're inevitably going to hit tough times. Uh, I'm sure even this year I'll have some times where, you know, after the success we've had last year, that people will say, oh, you know, we, we lost our first league game a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, inevitably the question is, well, you know, have people worked you out after a year now? They've, they've figured out a way to try and stop you. And, you know, if I now start changing my behaviours or changing the way I do things, the players would notice straight away. But, you know, the... What they want to know is that 
you know, or, I, don't know I guess it's been said that you can only sort of have one driver on the bus. That you know, it doesn't matter how bumpy that road is. They they want to know that you've got two hands on the wheel and you'll keep driving and and keep taking them to, to sort of smooth the roads ahead. And before we finish, I want to talk about game day. So. What, what are you looking to uh, create on a game day? What, what sort of atmosphere are you looking to build? What are the things you're looking for in your players and your staff? You know, do you like to stay around them? Do you like to be close to them or do you like to stay away? What, what's important to you on the day of a game? Um, I mean, that, that, that's a good question. And again, I, I guess um, it, it may be an un, unusual way of doing it, but again, it, it kind of, it's, it's who I am and, I've always believed, and I take that. I go back to when I was a player. That the game day is the players' day. It's it's not the coaches' day, particularly the, the preparation. And you know, I we will we'll have sort of a you know team team lunch or you know pre-match, um, you know, a few three hours or so before the game. If it's a home game, we'll, we'll do it at our, you know at, a, at our club. If it's an away game, we'll do it at the hotel. And I usually give my pre-match talk, um, you know, uh, either side of that meal and, and sort of give a, you know, we go through our analysis and, and sort of announce the team and any sort of final messages. And then I pretty much, I'll stay out of the way of the players and staff um, right up until kickoff, literally two minutes before the game, I'll, I'll go into the dressing room just to sort of wish the players all the best because I really, you know, as much as I drive everything I do, game day is for the players. They're the drivers. They're the ones out there. They're the ones that are going to make decisions. They're the ones that have got to, you know, perform. Um, I've done my work during the week. I've done my work with my staff during the week and preparing them in, 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 in building them up and in, in making sure they're ready for, for, for what's ahead. But, you know, I don't want to be in the dressing room or getting into their space or, or trying to sort of filter final messages on the most important day of the week for the players because, you know, game day is for the players. So I stay out of their way. I, uh, like I said, I'll keep any sort of final messages to a couple of minutes before they go out. And then during the game, I mean, that's, that's, that's when kind of I get involved in that. I'll make sure that, again, I, I, I tend to not want too many distractions, too much noise around me. I, I tend to sort of stand up on my own and, and watch the game and, and, you know, watch it like I would if I was at the cinema watching a movie. I don't want to miss anything. I want to make sure that uh, I'm picking up everything that's going on out there. I obviously get information. Half-time address is one or two key points. Again, I don't like talking too much because when I was a player, I can tell you that, you know, you come in after a half football in the first three, four minutes, you're still recovering, your head's spinning, um, you're not listening to anyone. You might get a couple of minutes where, you know, you want to, maybe listen to some messages and then after that you just want to prepare for the second half. So, you know, a couple of key messages at half time and then second half is really I try and stay alert for substitutions for for picking up, you know, areas where we can potentially hurt the opposition players who may be fatiguing. So I kind of save my energy for the 90 minutes um, in terms of being alert and, you know, before the game, just staying out of the players' way. And what about post-game, Ange? Like, what's important to you after the game to get across to the team? You know, do you like to give them a few messages? Do you like to speak or do you like to wait a few days? What What's important to you in that moment? That, that's challenged over time. I think when I was younger, I, I kind of, I liked to, to address them after the game. And, and after a while, I figured out that, you know, sometimes 
the picture we have in our head is is not often is not is not the right one. You know, we're so emotional at the end of a game. You know, you you, you spent emotionally, you've, you've ridden every tackle, every every mistake. Um, you know, if you've won, there's there's obviously a euphoric feeling there. If you've lost, uh, you know, you, you you're frustrated, and that can just taint so much. You know, what's what can be an important time just after the game. So I'll really speak to the players after the game. I'll I'll usually leave it till even the next day. I'll I'll kind of wait for the analysis. So, you know, I'll I'll get home after a game and I'll I'll usually watch the game on my own and and just take the whole game in because I've I've been big my whole career saying that, you know, I'm not going to let the scoreboard decide whether we've had a good game or not. Um, that's that's just too easy. It's too simplistic. Anyone can do that. Um, you know, you can look at a scoreboard and say, well, that team won, that team lost, that team's good, that team's bad, or that team had a good game, that team had a bad game. So, and I'm big with that with the players. I've said them to them all along that we're never going to be judged on, on, on you know, what the score is in a game or, or even what, what the table says. Um, so... I always wait till I watch the game again to get a real true sense of what I felt about the performance because that's the most important thing for me. I, I, I want to give feedback on the performance, not the result. The result, you know, no player is happy when they lose and, and of course, they're delighted when they win. So uh, I'm not going to add to that. But, you know, the performance, which is more important to me, that's what I can add to. That You know, sometimes you win and, you know what, we haven't played well and, and the message needs to be a bit different. Or, or we may have lost and played fantastically well you know, whilst half the game I'm disappointed in 24 hours' time after watching us, my message is totally different. So I usually give the players a little bit of time and more importantly, give myself a bit of time to, to, to frame a message for them. Well, Angie, I don't want to take too much more of your time. I, I really appreciate this. This has been fantastic. I've, uh, well, firstly, it's been great to reconnect. And, 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 and secondly, you're someone over the years that I've just had a huge amount of respect for, not just the way your teams play because they truly are They're some of the best best footballing teams I've ever seen play. Um, but but I think probably more than that, the, 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 the way you go about your business and, and the person you are, I have a huge amount of respect. So thanks for sharing your, your insights and uh, really appreciate your time, Ange. It's, it's been good to talk to you. I enjoyed it, mate, and uh, all the very best with, uh, with everything, mate. I'll be following as always.